Well, hey, this is Jeff Baumgartner, the senior editor at Light Reading. We're here at CES 2024. Hi, yeah, I'm Andrew McCollum. I'm CEO of Philo. Great. Well, um, Andrew, good to catch up with you. Um, I know we, we've talked to each other over the years since uh, you know Philo launched, um, and you just had a session here at CES to kind of talk about uh, Philo in general and, and kind of the streaming market and how fast uh, is part of the service now. But uh, since the service, uh, I guess the focus hasn't changed a lot, you know, since it launched. Uh, but maybe just to get everybody's uh, up to speed, um, you know, just give us like the the quick on you know Philo and the focus of the market. Yeah, so Philo launched as a uh, entertainment lifestyle and knowledge focused live TV service. So you can get a bunch of cable channels from us that are things like HGTV, Discovery, Paramount, AMC, um, and uh, we're pretty focused in that category, which allows us to keep the cost. Uh, a lot lower than a lot of our competitors. So Philo is just $25 a month. Uh, more recently, we've started to add a lot of uh, fast networks. We have about 50 of those that are live mm -hmm. on the service. Uh, and we're adding more uh, at a pretty good clip now. So there's started to be a pretty broad range of content that you can get uh, from us. Right. And you were talking on the the panel here. I mean, uh, to keep the, the price hasn't really gone up right through all this time and then and I, I know that's partly because you know, you're not worried about sports and news at this point but uh talk a little bit about how you've been able to to keep the price point relatively stable yeah really important part of that decision we made to focus on entertainment uh content is that we really wanted to create a package that felt like a really good value to consumers and also was a price point we could stand behind uh, you know in comparison to a lot of the competitive services that have really raised their prices you know, almost annually or in some cases more than annually, um, almost every year that they've been live. So we did raise our price once, uh, but importantly, we have also managed to do it in a way where we've never increased uh, current Philo subscribers' bills. So if you signed up with us six years ago, you're still paying the same price, monthly price today, um, even as we've expanded the content lineup quite a bit. Um, so that was really important to us, is to be able to provide great value and do it in a way that we felt was honest to consumers, where we weren't uh, trying to get people to sign up with the expectation we were just going to be raising the price on them uh, year after year after year. All right. And we used to uh, check in with you every once in a while, I think, on subscriber numbers since, uh, for better or for worse, uh, everyone seems to just focus on those numbers. But uh, you said you're around a million, uh, you said on the panel. But what have been the subscriber trends in the last year or two? Has it been... Uh, pretty stable. Are you seeing growth? Um, you know, what, what's churn looking like uh, additionally? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think uh, churn has been a fascinating one. A couple of years ago, when you saw a lot of the uh, plus services come to the marketplace, there definitely wasn't a kind of explosion of options for people, which led to an increase in churn pretty much across the board, not just for Philo, but for everyone, I think, who operates in the streaming space. Um, but, you know, I think we've, you know, tried to still offer the best, uh, you know, value offering you can. It's certainly those things I was mentioning around uh, around price uh, help because, uh, you know, as our competitors continue to raise their prices, Philo uh, looks attractive in comparison. 
Um, you know, last year was definitely a weird one for us uh, in particular because, uh, you know, the writers and actor strikes disrupted yeah. some key content. Like, for example, Yellowstone is the most popular show on Philo and that, uh, the, you know, the final season basically got delayed by a year because of the uh, writers and actor strikes. So, you know, those things uh, definitely have an impact. But, um, yeah. Yeah, but then meanwhile, you've been able to complement your content with with fast channels, like you mentioned. And where are you um, sourcing those? I, mean, I'm, I'm, I imagine it's coming from from different ones, but how are you putting that together and kind of fitting in with the uh, kind of content focus that Philo has been known for? Yeah, we're always trying to think about what are the categories that we can um, better serve our subscribers. And we've always been very data-driven. So even when we were originally putting together uh, the OTT service, Philo existed as a college-focused TV service before we launched publicly. And even back to those days, we looked very closely at the data about what people were watching to try to decide what deals to do and, and what we thought the content was worth. We've done the same thing in Fast where, you know, oftentimes a lot of the content on Fast actually is stuff from content libraries or, or older shows that, you know, are, you know, are just not as current. And so you can really look at what is the content people are engaging with and how do I build out and, and add more in that category to give people, uh, to give people more. So that's a, a lot of where our approach has been. You know, it's a mix of our existing content providers like Paramount and, you know, uh, AMC, et cetera. Uh, but it's also a bunch of independent fast providers who have popped up in the space and trying to find, uh, you know, the work with those folks as well. Okay. So you kind of take it from a lot of different places and interesting that, um, the fast channels are available to, um, consumers who are subscribers, but also non-subscribers, right? So if I were to get the Philo app today and provide my info, I can get the Fast channels, right? Yeah, so um, we are still, we're relatively new to Fast. We've been- When, when, when did it launch? We've, I mean, we've been adding Fast content yeah. for a while, but we're, uh, we really started to reach more of a critical mass just in the last few months. We're, you know, up to about 50 channels and we've been adding, you know, the vast majority of those have been added, you know, in the past few months. And we're still trying to experiment with what's the best way to help people to um, understand what content is available on Philo and 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 find it. So, you know, I, trying to figure out where in the process do we educate people and how do we, um, you know, make sure they're getting to what they want. So we're still doing a lot of experiments on that. I think that ultimately, you know, we want to make it um, much more possible to view fast content either um, – you know, maybe you make an account because you want to track uh, the shows that you're watching and, you know, get communications from us, set up notifications, save things, et cetera. But, you know, whether we may even think that we want to create an experience where you can watch content on Philo without any kind of account, that's not possible today, but it's something yeah. we are, are definitely looking at testing and think that we hope will be part of the experience in the future. Okay. And you, um, Philo's taken a balanced approach to um, subscriber acquisition. Right? You were talking on the panel, you know, we're not into the game that, that some streamers, some streaming services got into where it's like growth at any cost, right? But what are you doing right now to market the service and continue to get the word out that, uh, you know, that this option's available? 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of the sign-up for Philo still comes through word of mouth. That is always a, a, gr a category that continues to grow. But, I mean, we do a, a, a wide range of uh, targeted marketing. We actually, a lot more of our marketing is um, sort of targeted at specific audiences, which is why I think Philo is maybe a little less known among the general public versus other services that spend a lot on um, brand marketing, like TV campaigns and things like that, which are great for building awareness of your brand, but maybe aren't always the most efficient way to find the people who actually want to subscribe. And, uh, you know, we kind of view uh, wasting money on marketing that's not reaching subscribers. You know, yeah. our subscribers end up paying for that. So we want to kind of be as targeted and as efficient about it as we can. Okay. And the other thing uh, kind of goes back to the other point about the um, – the shift in focus and strategy among some of the uh, SVODs out there going from, you know, growth, subscriber growth at any cost to profitability is now the thing. So, uh, or accelerating your path to uh, profitability. So now from Philo standpoint, are you, got, are you uh, profitable at this point? Are you getting a margin on the, on the service, hopefully? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, as a private company, it's not something we typically go into a huge amount of detail about, but we have tried to operate the service much more sustainably. Um, we have not had to raise capital for a number of years now, so I think there's some good inferences you can draw from that in terms of how we approach the sustainability uh, of our service. Um, yeah, I do think that the market has been really warped uh, by a bunch of services that were brought to market at price points that were frankly unsustainable. And, yeah. you know, I think you've seen that play out. Uh, I, I've already talked about how we wanted to take a different approach, not just because, um, you know, we want, uh, like, our business to, to do well, but as I said, we want to be fundamentally honest with our subscribers and, and create something that is both a good value, but also something that's sustainable. Uh, we think that's the best approach. And it's, you know, I think the market is sort of catching up to that a little bit, um, but there's probably still some room to go there. Okay. All right. And um, you know, we're, we're here at CES, always starting off the year uh, at this show. What are your, what are, what are Philo's, you know, top two, you know, top three priorities for the year? Well, I definitely think uh, I mentioned that we're sort of new to fast being a bigger part of the product experience. So there's definitely you'll see a lot of change over this year in terms of us continuing to add fast content and continuing to find more ways to make it available to people than we have today. Uh, those other kinds of experiences about maybe there's more of a, a way to get access to the content even uh, without having to be a subscriber or possibly without having to make an account. Um, and so that that will be a, a big thing. I also think another big change you'll see is this uh, battle right now about what the future of these plus services will look like and, and, and those offerings. You know, this has been most publicly played out through this dispute between Charter and Disney over including Disney Plus in the yes. cable package. Yeah. I think that's definitely going to be a major theme over the next one to two years. And... I think, honestly, it's a very positive thing because uh, really, you know, when you talk about when we've talked about sort of the unprofitability of these services, what that basically means is kind of that these streaming services have kind of been built on the back of the prices that traditional cable 
uh, subscribers have paid uh, to keep getting cable, and it hasn't really it hasn't translated into value for them. In fact, if anything, you know maybe they've lost uh, content and investment that went into cable that's now gone into streaming. So I think bringing those streaming services and back to the uh, you know, traditional paid TV experience and uh, including them is really a, a, a healthy and good direction for things to go and also simplifies things for consumers. So it's not easy to say exactly how that will all play out, but I think it will be a major theme uh, in the coming one to two years. Yeah. Now, the one thing I would uh, tie into that is, uh, you know, we, we do cover, you know, what, what the traditional cable operators have been doing. And, and depending on the segment of the market, you know, particularly among the mid-tier, maybe some of the smaller operators, they're kind of indifferent to video, like their own video service. And some of them are actually uh, closing it down or in the process of yeah. getting out of the business and, and saying, you know, we're broadband, we're going to focus on broadband, we're going to you know, work, you know, uh, integrate or, or not necessarily integrate, but uh, promote third-party streaming services, different MVPDs or virtual MVPDs. Uh, is there an opportunity there for, um, for Philo to work with some of these groups? I think in the past you'd worked with like NCTC and groups like that, but I wasn't sure what else is going on. Yeah, definitely to some extent, although I think that actually part of what you're seeing is that you didn't use, as a consumer, you didn't used to have a choice. It used to be that typically there was a cable provider that served your area, and if, so if you wanted to get TV, uh, that's who you went to, you know? Um, and what streaming has done is given people a lot more choice, so you're not limited to that one option anymore. And just like you don't buy your music subscription from your ISP, it's, you know, you go to Spotify or Apple. Typically, or, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, seeing more of this, like kind of weird, you know, different kind of bundling. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I think ISPs can play a role in exposing you to services that you might want to use your broadband internet connection to access. But it doesn't have to be the single source anymore. You know, yeah. uh, and it's giving consumers the flexibility to say, uh, sure, uh, my cable former cable operator now my, you know, my broad basically my, my broadband operator is delivering my connectivity in addition to my maybe my cell phone and other things, but I'm picking and choosing the services that I want based on other factors. What's the best value? What's the best user experience? What company is actually going to treat me right as a consumer and have good support? And it's sort of allowing you to have that choice. So, you know, I think that that probably will remain a trend. And yeah, I think we'll work um, with smaller uh, cable operators uh, and other folks who provide broadband to make sure that uh, if there's an opportunity to educate consumers about what we offer, that uh, that's happening. But it, it's probably, you know, going to be less and less important, sort of uh, which services your ISP recommends or offers versus just what's available in the kind of the open market uh, from uh, streaming. All right. Well, the last thing I want to talk about um, is, uh, well, one way you've been able to keep pricing down and cost down is not doing offering sports networks and news networks. Um, and every time we've talked, I think over the years, we always says, Hey, you know, do you think there'll ever be an op opportunity to provide any of that? And, you know, today on the panel, uh, I think you'd said, well, you know, it sounded like the door has never been closed to it, but maybe talk a little bit about uh, the potential, right. To get into 
uh, sports and news or create packages uh, that provide that kind of content on Philo? Well, I think you're seeing three interesting trends in that, in that area right now. One trend is that you're seeing uh, more and more different kinds of packages that challenge the idea that there's a traditional bundle, so to speak. You know, uh, I mean, even, you know, folks like Comcast are creating smaller, slimmed down packages that offer, you know, a lot less than what would typically be part of a, of a cable package. So the more that plays out, the more comfort there builds in the marketplace and on the part of programmers to do new kinds of, uh, offer new kinds of combinations. The second interesting trend is the consolidation uh, of the networks. You know, you've already seen, yeah. C, you know, CBS and Viacom remerge into Paramount, and you're seeing Warner Brothers and Discovery merge, and now even those two are talking about merging with each other. Right. Yeah. And there's been a lot of news about that. Yeah. There gets to be a point where there's just so many networks under one roof that you just mm. can't uh, enforce the idea that everyone has to carry every single one of them. And so that will probably also contribute to flexibility um, in some ways. And then the third interesting trend is the sort of uh, uh, crisis around regional sports networks and, yeah. and those uh, you know, being sort of pushed out of the bundle or forced, you know, the pricing becoming unsustainable. I think all those things contribute to um, more flexibility than there has been um, in the traditional TV package. We're not where we want to be yet. You still can't do what I was just speaking about, about creating yeah. sort of a few different pieces that you can put together as a consumer, like say sports and news and entertainment and broadcast and maybe movies or, you know, you could pick and choose, you could kind of draw the, the lines a little differently depending on exactly how you did it. But, you know, that reality is impossible yet, but I think, you know, it has to come because that's, I think, what consumers uh, ultimately want. Okay. Great. Well, we will keep an eye out on how that part of the market evolves and yeah, how, how it might affect the way that uh, Philo can uh, package content and make, make variations on what's available to uh, to customers. But uh, again, thanks a lot. It was great to see you here at uh, CES. Hope the rest of your show goes well and look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, thanks. Likewise.